When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode 29 of our great study, Exodus, God's Great Rescue. And if you'll remember from our last uh, our last episode, uh, they the Miriam had sung her song. They they all sang their song in Exodus 15 about how excited they were to cross the Red Sea, about how God had rescued them and then uh, drowned the Egyptian chariots in the Red Sea, and now they were free. There was no way. The Egyptians are going to go all the way up and come back down and, and pursue them. They had lost too many people. They could see that God's with them now. And so they sing their songs of gratitude to God. They praise God. And then they start uh, eastward to try to find a place. And they came to a place called Elam, E-I-L-M, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And they camped there near the water. And that's kind of where we left it. And I don't think I mentioned this, but the uh, there are a lot of pastors, what we call the early church fathers, and they were people who, when they went back and read the Old Testament, knowing now what they know about the New Testament, that they would make uh, allegories and references and they would see things in the Old Testament that perhaps now they, with fuller eyes and with clearer vision, they could put, they could say things about it. And one of them was Gregory of Nyssa, who was very allegorical. He saw, I mean, if it says leaf in the Old Testament, he had this whole theology of what the leaf meant, and it could mean anything. But if you can see, they came to Elam, which is a very, very nice place. There's 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And so, of course, the 12 springs are the... According to Gregory of Nyssa, the 12 springs are the 12 apostles. So they came to this spring and they're surrounded by the 12 apostles. And the 70 palm trees are the 70 that Jesus sent out, uh, the, you know, the super apostles. And so basically they came to a place of rest. They came up to a place of theological significance. They came to a place where God had kind of surrounded them with people that were going to carry them forward. In this, in this case, it's 12 springs and 70 palm trees. But that's kind of where we left it. And, uh, and so now we're going to just start reading in Exodus chapter 16, and we'll begin at verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And I should just point out, Sin is a name. It is not uh, trespasses. It is not penitentiamus in the in the new testament this is actually a hebrew name uh sheen uh i n right that it's the it's the place where they live or it's a it's a place the desert of sheen or sin which is between elam and sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of egypt so it's it's uh it's about uh what 60 75 days In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And so, of course, my heart goes out to Moses. This is 
He's only following what God's told him to do. They just got rescued coming out of the Red Sea. There's no question that God is with them, that God's guiding them, that God, that God is blessing them. But of course, they're only human. They, they start to wonder if they move forward, are they going to have anything to drink? Are they going to have any food? Is there going to be anything that's going to support an incredible amount of people? If you remember, there's, there's a lot of people that, that came out of this, this whole exodus, millions. And so they are wondering, how in the world are we going to survive? And it, it seems to me, just looking at it, that if God can split the sea, bring across the whole entire uh, is, Israelite people through the Red Sea and then close it off and kill Pharaoh, if he can bring the angel of death that kills all the firstborn, if they can get out of slavery in Egypt, if God can do all that, certainly God's not going to let him starve to death in the... Or, or thirst to death in the desert. That, that just doesn't seem like anything that God would do. And so you would think that they would gather together and maybe just start praying, God, would you please help us here? We could sure need, we could sure use some water. We could use some rain. We could use some food. All of these things you would think that they would do. And yet they don't. It's, it's amazing how soon we forget the hand and the blessing of God. It's like God will do something amazing and wonderful in our life that we just can't stop praising God. God, what a great thing that you did. I mean, this when you have children, right? You, you hold your child for the first time in your hands. And, and that's, this, is, this is huge blessing that you just can't stop praising God for the gift of life that you hold in your hands. But then 75 days later, you're trying to figure out how to feed and change and, you know, get up in the middle of the night and life is difficult and uh, we forget at that point when life gets difficult about this amazing blessing that God has given you. And so we constantly, as a species, we constantly need to be reminded of the blessings in the hand of God in our life, which is one of the reasons why it is so important to daily thank God for the blessing of a new day to put the focus on him and say, God, you've given me 24 hours. What do you want me to do with this gift that you've given me? The whole day I get to live for you and and for this world. And what am I going to do on this day to, to, to be uh, thankful for this 24 hours that you've given me? And if if we as a, as a Christian church did that every day, simply spent, I don't know how much time, Thanking God for the day and then saying, God, this day is yours. I'm going to do the things that you want me to do. I'm not going to do the things you don't want me to do. I wonder how this world would look different. But instead, there are so many people, Christians and non-Christians included, that get up, they immediately go into their day, and it's all about, can I get everything done? And and uh, am I going to have enough you know, food? How am I going to fit everything in today that I've already booked my day? Blah, blah, blah. You know, all that sort of thing. And God doesn't want us to live that way. God wants us to simply understand that he is still God. We're still his precious children. If you could live your day knowing that God's walking beside you in the cool of the day as if you were in the Garden of Eden, because he still is walking with you in the cool of the day, that that would make all of us, all of us so much more blessed. But it's hard. Life is hard. We're humans. We've got original sin. We've got all sorts of sin. We grumble 
And again, my heart goes out to Moses and Aaron. They're not, they're only following God. <laughs> so <laughs> they go and they complain to Moses. And so we'll continue reading verse four. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So this is God telling them, listen, I've heard their cry. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven, which is just phenomenal. I mean, if you think about it and you look up in the sky and it's like, I don't know how you're going to rain down bread from heaven. That just doesn't seem like something that, that makes any sense. And then God also gives them, he wants to test them to see if they will follow his instructions. He says on the sixth day, you're going to gather twice as much bread as the other days, because that way you're, I'm going to see if you're following me and you're doing what I, what I command you. So Moses and Aaron, we'll continue reading in verse six. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord that brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but you're grumbling against the Lord. So Moses, a couple things. So he passes on this information to the Israelites. He says, listen, God's going to take care of you. You're going to have meat at night. You're going to have bread in the morning. Everything's going to be okay. He said, but you're not grumbling against me. Understand this. When you come up and grumbling against me, it's not me you're grumbling against. You're grumbling against God because I'm just simply the hands and feet of God. I'm doing what God told me to do. And this is a good life lesson too for all of us that if we're doing what God has called us to do and people get upset with us or angry with us or or grumble against us, say, listen, it's not me. It's not me. I'm just doing what God told me to do. If you look at God's word and you see clearly in God's word different things, and that's kind of how you live your life, and people are angry or upset because you're following God's word, say, hey, listen, I, I, this isn't me. It's just God. I just, I'm just trying to be faithful to what God has commanded me to do. And so the, having the word of God is so wonderful because it's a great standard by which we can say, listen, I have no choice but to follow the words of God. And I'm, so if you're upset, don't be upset with me. Be upset with the man upstairs. And so um, that's, that's also a great life lesson. Um, we'll continue reading in verse 9. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your crumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. We remember this cloud from, uh, right? This is the one that blocked them from the Egyptians, right? As they were trapped by the Red Sea, right? This cloud that protected them. Well, now it's out there, still out there. Remember, when things are difficult and you're angry or you're bitter or people are angry with you, one of the things you can do is just still to remember the glory of God. Go back and reflect on the glory of God. See things in today's world that reflect the glory of God. And when you see the things that reflect the glory of God, then it'll fill your heart up. It'll give you courage. It'll give you strength. It'll give you joy for living. All right. So verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. 
Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Verse 13, that evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Now, just a brief little hint here. So the two things they're going to have are quail on the one hand, and then they're going to have this what is it stuff on the other hand, when the dew's gone. What is it in Hebrew is ma na. What it? Ma na. (laughs) And um, the is is implied. What is it? So they're saying to each other, what is it? Mana. Well, that's what they end up calling it is mana or mana. Um, And have you ever eaten quail? Uh, When I was a kid, we used to go quail hunting. And then my mother, you just, you take the breast off, skin and take the breast off. And then you deep fry the breasts. It is some of the best meat out there. Now, dove, not so much. Dove, you got to work with. Dove, if you wrap it in bacon, it tastes okay. But quail meat is a lot like turkey or chicken because they, run, they spend their whole time on their feet uh, as opposed to doves, which are flying. When you're, when you're a flying bird all the time, your breast gets really, really work out and it's, it's a different taste. But when you're walking around the time, like chickens or quails or turkeys, um, the breast meat isn't as hard and it really has a very, very wonderful taste to it um, if you've never had it. It's incredible meat. Uh, so if the apocalypse ever ha- happens, you can have doves and quail all around because it would feed you fine here in Arizona. But I digress. We're going to continue reading uh, where we left off. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. So he says, what is this? For they didn't know what it was. Moses said, well, it's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. So an Omar, Omar is, a, is a jar, maybe, I don't know, a jar. Um, I don't know how big it is, but each person gets an Omar of this bread in your tent. So apparently it's, a, it's probably healthy and it's got a lot of nutrition in it and God prepared it for them. And so they gather it up and that's what they do. Verse 17, the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it out by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the ones who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. So everyone gathers, you know, different people, but when they put it all together, they had just enough for everybody. My goodness. Verse 19, Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. So this is their test. And some of the people failed the test. It's apparently a very nutritious thing to eat, but it doesn't last overnight. It is something that, um, that you got to eat. And then you have to get something new every day. This is, this is also a valuable lesson in trusting God. So many times we, uh, we maybe gather with fear that we have no idea what tomorrow will bring. And in, at one level, that is not bad. 
we all know the story of the of the ants and the grasshoppers that work very very hard to store their food through the winter uh, we know people who who do all sorts of things to make sure that they have enough for the next day and all that sort of thing I think that's a wise way to live your life I think that is um, is probably not a bad way to go and today obviously there are some exp- there's some things in the future that we just have no idea what's going to cost I mean the biggest one of course is the medical cost right nobody knows what the medical costs are going to be housing we have no idea what that's going to do food it may go up I mean we know that there's going to be increases and in things like that and and our savings and our work may not be able to cover all those things and there are a lot, a lot, a lot of people who get very anxious about what tomorrow will hold. And there's two ways to deal with that anxiety. One is that you can live in fear or maybe have way too much stored up than what perhaps is necessary. And I have no idea what that is. Or you can just simply say, whatever it is, God's going to take care of me and I'm just going to put it all in God's hands. And um, for Moses and the Israelites, God wants them to learn this lesson that I've got you. You don't have to have too much. You just need what I have provided for my hands. And that's enough. And I think, I think it's not bad to store up things in the future because we don't know but if it prevents you from understanding that every gift we have is a gift from God that every tomorrow this 24 hours that we'll get tomorrow is in his hands and we'll figure it out and God has given us life and breath and all these sort of things that um that One of the best ways to live your life is simply understanding that God will provide for you tomorrow. Don't worry about what tomorrow will bring. God's in charge of it. He'll figure it out. It'll work. There's lots of little things that we can do to try to prepare for various things of tomorrow, but we can't prepare for everything. I know in the political discourse going around in our world today and all the things that are happening coming out of the coronavirus, there's a lot of fear about what tomorrow will hold. Will the vaccines work? Will the Delta variants and other variants cause problems? Will there be financial ruin? Will the economy fall? Will the housing market fall? Will the education fall? All these different things. And it is so easy to lose sight of the fact that every day is a gift from God. <laughs> and we'll figure it out. We, we, can, we are brilliant, intelligent humans that God has told us to do the earth and figure it out and we will figure it out and we will get through it and the last thing you want to do is stress about it I Jennifer and I watch various health videos and even today uh, one of the uh, one of the doctors that I listened to said the number one killer is not you know the coronavirus or or all those things it's stress stress is the number one killer of people it causes it causes heart disease. It causes cancer. I mean, it doesn't cause, but it accelerates or exacerbates these things. If you can live a stress-free life, if you can live where, where you know that you're safe and secure in the arms of God and he'll take care of everything and just enjoy the, the life that he's given you, then um, you will be healthier tomorrow and, and you will enjoy life a lot better, a lot more.
So that's what, that's what my recommendation is. All right, so man, I didn't get to where I wanted to, but that's okay because we'll pick it up again tomorrow uh, in verse 21. So uh, let's just quickly close in prayer. Dear God, thank you for the blessing of this day and thank you for reminding us once again that everything we have is from your hands and uh, we don't have to worry about tomorrow because you've got tomorrow covered. Because of your son Jesus, in his name we pray, amen. All right.